Hey, this is Matt Labby, one of the lead pastors here at Movement Church. My wife Holly and I planted Movement here in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, January 2020. And it's been amazing to see all the ways in which God has been moving in our community. One of the things we're so excited during this season is that we believe that God is calling us to a greater amount of connectivity. So each weekend at our home, we have a time of movement cores. These are opportunities for people to be able to connect over a meal, to be able to learn during a time of teaching, and then one of my favorite parts, to be able to practice teaching that to one another. So the audio that you're gonna be hearing today is from one of our cores. We're so grateful for the way that God is moving. If you wanna go ahead and sign up for one of those cores or if you'd like to give to Movement Church, you can do that by going to immovement.church. We hope that you're inspired and encouraged in your spiritual life today. Amen. Well, uh, thanks so much for coming this morning. I'm excited for today's message. There are certain mess. I'm excited about like every message, but you know, I say that, but it's true of all of them. Uh, but you know, over the past season, we've been in the season that we've called reimagine that we believe that really, as we talk about this idea of church, uh, that we said, what if God has allowed us to be able to come through COVID as a church to begin to reimagine what church is actually supposed to look like. Uh, and so it reminds me of this. So Holly and I, when we were first married, we uh, took a martial arts. Anybody ever done martial arts before? Just curious a little bit. Okay, Katie, you're the only one. Awesome. And Amber. Okay, yeah. And uh, yeah, so a couple of us. So there was one experience that we had. We took Krav Maga, right? So it's like Israeli, like supposed to be super intense. So uh, a part of it is you're supposed to like get very aggressive is the idea behind the martial arts. And so there was, we were doing one exercise. I was partnered up with Holly. And so you were supposed to switch partners when they said up. And there was one guy on the ground, and you were doing something called ground and bound. Any, like, any people watch UFC, right? So it's basically just like get on the ground, and you're like throwing elbows, like you're punching, like you're just going to town on this heavy bag on the ground. So Holly is going doing the exercise, and I just had a bad day that day, if I could be totally honest with you. It wasn't a great day. And so it was supposed to be that when the guy yelled up, I was supposed to run over and we swap places. The only thing was I was so focused on what I was doing and destroying this heavy bag that I was just like, I was going to town on it. Like, I didn't even know. He was yelling up at me this far away until finally Holly and he were just there laughing at me as I was just going to town <laughs> on this heavy bag on the floor. I was like, I was just into it, you know? And, and so it just reminded me that sometimes I think in life we experience that same reality where we just get so focused on what we're doing. We get so focused on our day-to-day routine. We get so focused in this moment that we forget to look up and ask the question, what am I doing and what am I here for? Well, what is all of this about? And I think that's what happened in the church is that for so long, we just got so focused on like, we need to have good programming and we got to have a good guy up there preaching and we got to get people out in an hour. And if we do all these things, then we'll be doing what we're supposed to be doing. But I think what we need to do is we need to come back and say, what did Jesus understand about the church? And here's what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 26. He says, it says, the 11 disciples traveled to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshiped, but some doubted. Any doubters in the room? That was me, right? I'm like, I'm one of those people that I'm like, I don't know. Like, Jesus is right in front of me, and I'm like, still don't know. Uh, And Jesus came near to them and said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. So stay where you are, form these communities with a white steeple, give up, and just kind of like wait for me to come back, right? That's what he said. No. Uh, So what he says in verse 19 is he says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end 
of the age. And so we asked the question, what would it look like if we actually took Jesus seriously? Uh, sometimes I realize that, man, Jesus says some really good things, but I'm like, man, like that's good for him. But I don't actually take him seriously. And this is one of those ex examples of things that we just kind of look at. And maybe we've heard a number of times, but we don't actually put into practice. That it's actually the call of the church to disciple people. Your call is to disciple people. The only thing is, I think for many of us, we don't have a definition of what discipleship is. I was talking to a friend pastor of mine, and we were talking about the same idea. And I was like, man, if you came into your church and you said to somebody, disciple somebody, would anybody have any idea of what you meant? And so we gave this definition to discipleship. It's building relationships through love and helping people trust and follow Jesus. And so what this looks like is not that you have to like sit across the table from somebody and have an hour-long conversation. This past week, Matt and Abby had a time of, of playing a game with somebody. They played board games with some of the people from our church. We have uh, different people who have connected with people in our community in different ways that it might not seem like on the surface that's discipleship, but that connectivity with the people that you're building relationships with in your life is an opportunity for you to disciple somebody. Because, can I tell you, man, I've experienced life without Jesus. And it's not just because we're like, man, you know what? There's a hot place I don't want people to go, right? Because, like, I, if I can be honest with you, I love saunas, right? And so uh, a couple of years ago, I was sitting in a sauna, and I was sweating like crazy. I think it was like 140 degrees. It was way too hot. It was one of those ones you put wood in, and, like, I just didn't. I got a little out of control. And so I was sitting there, right? And, and I was sitting there, and I was sweating, and I was like, this is hot. And I was like, man, I know that like that place is hot, right? And like, so I don't want people to go to that place because it's hot and this is hot and it's not comfortable, right? But it didn't really motivate me, if I can be honest, right? Like I wasn't super motivated. But man, there's something motivating when I can begin to see God working in people's life. Yeah. When I begin to see, man, God's way is so much better than my way. Living in relationship with God is so much better than living distant from God. Wow. And so for me, as I walked in this season, I'm like, man, I want everybody to experience this. I want everybody to experience freedom. I want everybody to experience joy and love and faithfulness. Mm -hmm. And so that's the idea of what we're doing here at church is we said, what if we broke it? What, what if we literally like broke everything? If we didn't have lights, we didn't have a cool sound system, we didn't have kids ministry, like we didn't have anything. What if we just got together in a room and we just like talked about Jesus and we talked about the church? And so that's what I want to talk about today is this idea of the church. And so here's what I'd love for you to do. Go ahead and close your eyes. And I want you to picture when I talk about the church, what do you picture in your mind? Just go ahead and in your mind, just kind of think to yourself, what are you picturing? Maybe for some of us, we're picturing a, you know, a little steeple, or maybe we're picturing a graveyard, you know, because we grew up in a church with like the old graveyard that was kind of creepy in the front, you know? Uh, for some of us, we're picturing maybe a, a community of people or pews. You can open up your eyes, and I, I ask that same question of, when people that you know think about church, what do they think about? Because I think that the church has a bad rap. This is some of the things that I think people think about when they think about church. They think about hypocrites, right? They think, man, you know what? They preach all these things, but they don't actually live into it. It's a bunch of hypocrites. They think judgmental. They think about all the posts that they've seen all the Christians post about on Facebook. That they're like, you know, go Trump. And like everybody else who's not Trump, you know, you're out. You know, they think about all of those posts. They think about all the times that they've had conversations with people that they think, man, you, think, you know, if you walk into the church and you have tattoos, judged. If you walk into the church and you had a kid outside of marriage, judged. If you walk into the church and if you don't have the perfect church face on, judged, right? Yeah. And so, so often that's what they experience when they think of church. They think irrelevant. 
And they think, man, why would I need to go to church? You know, I can go outdoors. And that's, you know, the, the outdoors is my church. It's a beautiful, you know, Northwoods, you know, Wisconsin man phrase. We think it's irrelevant. We think it's unnecessary. Uh, we think, we think, you know, I dislike organized religion. It's really all about, you know, money and it's about, you know, this power structure. And so we dislike it. Yeah. They think it's fake or they think, you know, it's something you have to go to. And so I think when we think about church, sometimes what happens is we miss the beauty of what Jesus established when he talked about the church. That sometimes what happens is I almost have to say like, man, you know what? Uh, I, sometimes I almost have to say, I'm, I'm not a Christian, I'm a Jesus follower. And as soon as you talk about Jesus, people are like, oh, that's interesting. I could talk about Jesus. And so here's the kind of church that Jesus talked about. He talked about a church that was multicultural. He said, listen, the church is a beautiful gathering together of a bunch of different cultures that are gathered together in unity. He talked about a church that was multi-ethnic, that as we talk about racial reconciliation, man, the church should be on the forefront of all of that because Jesus was on the forefront of it. Yeah. When we talk about the church, we talk about multi-socioeconomic, that man, in the, in the early church, there were those who were rich and then there were those who were poor and there were those in between and they were all meeting together and there wasn't some who were favored because they had more money. No, it was yeah. this beautiful meeting together multi-generational it was united can you imagine showing up to a place where man it's united we're all about this thing together it was generous it was loving and grace-filled it was powerful that god actually showed up and did something it was life-giving it was just and righteous it was multiplying man can you imagine if your friends when they thought about church thought about this list rather than the first list can you imagine if the church actually lived into what it was called to be as the body of Christ, and if we actually lived into it the way God was calling us to? Yeah. The only thing is sometimes I think we got so focused, just like I did, on that heavy bag that sometimes we forget to actually focus on what God has called us to be as the church. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's what I want to talk about today is, is I think it's a basic concept, right? We think, well, everybody knows what the church is. Like it's, you know, it's the place where you go, right? It's the, it's the place where you, you go and we talk about Jesus. And, and so I think today I want to talk about what the church looks like, because can I tell you that we're moving into a new season? We said that from September to December of this year, we were going to be in a reimagined season. And so there are some things that we're going to talk to you about that we believe God is doing behind the scenes over the next few weeks, but we want to make sure that we don't lose the DNA of what it means to truly be the church as we do move, yeah. in, move into a next season. Yeah. And so five marks of a church. So you can write this down if you got notes. Uh, you can just remember it if you got a good memory. But five <laughs> marks from a healthy church. And let's start in Acts chapter 2, verse 41. So what's happened up to this point is that there are the gathered together people of God on the day of Pentecost. Now, the day of Pentecost is known by theologians as the pivot of history because it's this amazing moment where the people of God don't have to do life on their own, but they actually receive the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit actually empowers them to live in a new way. That's what you see in the day of Pentecost. And so there's, they go out and they preach uh, the gospel message in a number of different languages, which is a beautiful picture of how uh, the gospel is not just for white European Westerners, right? Which, of course, the, the early disciples weren't that. You know, they were from the Middle East. Jesus wasn't that. He didn't have blonde hair and blue eyes. Um, but it was this beautiful picture that, man, this beautiful message of Jesus is for everybody. And so you begin to see a picture of the early church in Acts chapter 2, verses 41 to 47. It says, so those who accepted his message were baptized, and that day, about 3,000 people were added to them. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And everyone was filled with awe, and many signs and wonders were being performed through the apostles. 
Now all the believers were together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Can you imagine a church like that where they're enjoying the favor of people, where people are looking into the church and they're like, man, something's happening there. No marketing schemes, right? No like, hey, your church sucks, like come to ours, right? None of that. It was just a beautiful picture of the church. And it says every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. Now, it's our goal that every week you would leave with a picture, uh, literally, that you would draw. And so I think it's really funny that my job has been reduced to stick figures and arrows, uh, but there it is, right? And so, so every week. And so five marks of what the church should actually look like. Here's the first mark. Is the first mark is that it's the gathered community of God. It's the gathered community of God. So here's what Acts says. It says, they devoted themselves to the fellowship, to meeting together in the temple, broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts. That's why I love being able to meet in our house for a season. It's because it reminds me, man, there's something beautiful when we get to open up our home to you, when we get to invite you into our house, where you get to have a meal together, because we know there's something beautiful about that. The only thing is I think many of us end up treating the church kind of like some of us treat our in-laws. You know, that like we don't particularly like them, but we'll go see them on holidays, right? Like that's what happens, right? We're like, oh man, you know, like I guess I'll go to church on Easter and Christmas. I don't, I don't particularly like them, but I'm supposed to go visit them. And so it ends up where there's like crazy uncle guy and like there's weird people in the church. And, you know, and so we begin to treat the church like that. But God says, man, what if there was a different picture of what the church was supposed to look like? That the church is actually this word in the Greek, ekklesia. Ek being a Greek uh, preposition, out, and kaleo means to call. And so it's actually the called out ones of God. As you look throughout scripture, it's actually this desire that God had to have a called out people for himself. And so you'll actually see at the very beginning, he creates Adam and Eve, right? And so you'd think, man, these are the people of God. But what do they do? They sin. Yeah, somebody's paying attention. They sin, right? And then uh, God's like, okay, well, we'll start over again. And so you see like Noah, right? And it says Noah was blameless before God. And so you'd think, man, this is it. You know, God wipes out everybody, starts over again. And then literally as soon as Noah gets off the ark, he gets drunk and some weird <laughs> stuff happens, right? And so it's like, okay, we messed it up again. And so God's like, all right, let's start again. So this guy named Abraham and this, this nation of Israel, and you think, man, here are the called out people of God, but they mess up over yeah. and over again. And it's not until we get to the new humanity in the New Testament that we begin to see this beautiful picture of the called out people of God who are multi-generational, multicultural, multi-ethnic, united to say, man, we want to pursue God because he's worthy of our praise and of our adoration. And so, man, as I think about that, that's the kind of church that I want to be a part of that are the gathered together people of God who are authentically worshiping God. And so that's, the, that's this idea of, of the next thing. So when we're gathered together, so that's little arrows, and those, that's us, little stick figures. So that's us. You're welcome. Uh, and, and originally, here's the crazy part. Originally, I was going to put a little box around that, right? Because in my mind, I'm like, church, like box, you know, like you got to have a place to meet. Uh, but nowhere in the Bible does it say, and the church is about like, you know, people gathering together in a building. And so like throughout the summer, we actually had an opportunity to be able to have services in the park. And we're saying, man, what if moving forward we had those sorts of ideas that, that people, when they thought about church, didn't think building, yeah. they thought people. Yeah. Yeah. They thought beautiful. They thought unity. And, and, uh, and so that's why I didn't put a box around the, the little stick figures up there. So the next part is that we're actually called to worship 
God, to worship God. Here's what the passage says, that they're praising God and enjoying the favor of the people. That, that we believe it's actually our opportunity to be able to authentically worship God. <laughs> that sometimes I think what happened is that we came into church and we said, I'm going to worship if they have the song on, that's my jam. I'm going to worship if there's no hiccups, you know. I'm going to worship if the lights are just good, you know, they're like dim, and if there's like fog, and if like, you know, it's the perfect sound, and there's like this heavenly angel, like choir in the background, like I'll worship God if. And what God says is, no, 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 you worship because God is good. And so that's why we show up during the season, and why we literally have nothing. Like we have a piano and acoustic guitar because we want God to be worshipped for who he is yeah. and for what he's done. Yeah. And that's really what the idea for us of worship is, is, is we come in and we say, man, God is worthy of worship and adoration. And so we see in the Psalms that we're called to lift our hands to him, that we're called to clap to him because we actually see what he's done in our hearts and in our lives and the world mm-hmm. around us. And that's why we're a worshiping community. And so as we talk about this idea of worship, man, we want to be that kind of place where we understand that God is worthy to be lifted high. The only thing is, I don't know about you, but uh, there's this passage in Exodus, right? So God, there's this nation of Israel, they're kind of his chosen people, brings them out of slavery from the nation of Egypt, and uh, brings them to this mountain. Now, you'd think that this would be like the moment for God's people to shine, right? So this guy named Moses goes up to the top of the mountain. There's like thunder, lightning, like all the good stuff, right? And like it's all the stuff that we think, man, you know what? If God showed up in thunder and lightning, like I would believe in him. But down on the bottom of the mountain, the Israelites do something interesting, right? So they they take all this gold, they throw it into this furnace, and they make this golden calf. They make this calf, and they say, behold... Yahweh who took you out of Egypt, right? And so all of us are like, what in the world? Like, I would never imagine worshiping a golden calf. But how many times have we showed up to church and we've made something else most important about God? How many times have we showed up to church and we've begun to say, well, listen, I'll, I'll be able to lift God's name high if that person has the best voice. I'll be able to lift God's name high if I feel like it's an area that I'm comfortable with. And what God says is, no, when you worship him, you worship him because of who he is and because of what he's done. And there's this, this old song back in like the 90s, for those of you who grew up in, in classic church, uh, called The Heart of Worship, a guy named Matt Redman. Anybody remember this song, Heart of Worship? So it's this song that he wrote for his church because they realized that they started to get so caught up in all of the, the production of church. And basically the idea is this, when everything's stripped away, and they did this literally at the church. It was just him singing with his acoustic guitar. Um, when everything is stripped away, I'm going to come back to the heart of worship. That's the idea of, of why we're doing what we're doing is we're saying, man, we want to be able to be a body of believers that God is worthy of being lifted high. And so we want to come back to the heart of worship, which is what the church was all about. And so on the diagram, you'll see a, a little triangle and an arrow pointed up because the triangle is like the Trinity, right? Uh, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so we're worshiping God. And that's what we're called to do. So gather together people of God who are worshiping him for who he is and what he's done. The third one is this, where the presence of God shows up. Here's one of my favorite verses. It says this, everyone was filled with what? Awe. Everyone was filled with awe. awe. Everyone was filled with awe. Not a word that we use very much, right? Like we don't use, man, I was in awe. Unless you were in awe, right? Like when you see mountains, you're like, wow, I'm in awe because they're, they're incredible. And for me, I think, man, what would it look like if people wanted to show up to church because they knew that God would be there? If they were in awe of what he was doing, 
that they showed up and they were like, man, you know what? I'm going to be able to experience freedom from addiction when I show up to church. I'm going to be able to experience, somebody's going to get healed when they show up to church. Like, what would it look like if when we show up to church, we actually expected God to do something? We ex expected the presence of God. The only thing is sometimes I think what happens, we go through the motions and we miss the very reason why we're there. It's almost like this. So Holly's birthday is on February 7th. Uh, if you want to mark that down in your calendars, make sure you buy her a nice gift, uh, February 7th. Uh, so let's imagine that this year, right, I have a surprise party for Holly. And I'm excited about it, right? Like, like we, we get together. She loves surprise parties. And so we have all the streamers. We have all the balloons. We have all the gifts set up. I invited all of y'all here. We're all, like, hiding. And, like, we're ready to go with the cake. We're so excited. And, and I'm like, okay, guys, like, let's start the party. And so we start the party, but Holly never shows up. Holly never got invited. <laughs> now, would we say successful? Would we say, man, like, we've done it. Like, man, she must be so happy about this, right? No. How often do we show up to church and we do all the things and we go through all the motions and we do all the songs and we're like, God must be so happy about this right now. And he never was invited, right? Wow. Man, if church happens and the presence of God doesn't show up, we've missed it. Yeah. If church happens and God doesn't start to do something that's beyond what we could do, we've missed it. And so yeah. every single time that we show up, man, we're praying ahead of time that God would be able to do something in your heart this week. Maybe it's not like this crazy, like, you know, open to heaven moment, but maybe for you, you felt like your heart was beginning to move toward God one step this week. Yeah. Maybe for you, you began to feel him working in your spirit this week. That's the kind of church that we want to be where the presence of God actually shows up in a new way and we experience him for who he is and what he's done. I can tell you, I've been a part of so many church services that went flawlessly that it was like so good and I got to the end of that church service and I thought man did God ever even show up we did all of the things and so one of the things that we're so committed to is to say man we're not going to do all the things and like make it look like this is all for him and not have him show up we want him to show up every week to change and transform people's lives because everyone was filled with awe and many signs and wonders were being performed through the apostles I mean, that's a church that doesn't need marketing. Like, that's a church yeah. that doesn't need, like, cool, like, pithy phrases or, like, a pastor to show up and look cool. Like, I mean, it's like, you know, pastors, like, the cool thing, like, show up, like, hip clothes and, like, they show up, like, I don't know, Gucci or whatever. And it's like, man, like, y'all, I'm not wearing Gucci right now, you know? And you still show up. Why? Because we want to see God and we don't need all those things. And we can meet in this building or we can meet in a jankety, like, storefront or we can move to another church and God can show up there because we know, man, we're not showing up for that. We're showing up for him. Yeah. Yeah, and we expect right. his presence to yeah. be here. And so, man, what would it look like for the church that every time we showed up, we said, man, we're ready to experience the presence of God in a new way. I want to be that kind of church. I want to be that kind of people. That's we, we as a staff, we come together, we pray for what God is going to do. And that's the kind of church that we're praying for. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so we see that it's about the presence of God. And so you see the arrow pointing down uh, to the people is that the presence of God actually shows up. That's the church is where God actually shows up and his presence is felt. The, the, the fourth thing is this, where we are being discipled and discipling others. Here's what the passage says. It says, so those who accepted this message were baptized, right? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to breaking of bread, and to prayer. And they met from house to house. They were discipling one another. 
And I think that that's one of the elements of church that oftentimes is lost. That we end up showing up and we say, man, that's that guy's job. And I want you to get two different pictures in your mind. Okay, so in your mind, think of Rambo. Anybody seen Rambo before? I just want to make sure I'm like trying to, okay, so, so imagine like, Captain America. Imagine like the guy who goes in and does it on his own, right? Uh, I'm trying to think of it. Who's the guy who plays that? Anybody know? Sylvester Stallone. Sylvester Stallone, yeah. So imagine Sylvester Stallone, like Rocky Rambo, like he goes in behind enemy lines. It's like just him. He's got like only a knife and like he takes on like a whole army by himself and like he just does it, right? So I want you to imagine that. And then I want you to imagine, I just had one of my friends call me from the United States Army. He just graduated from basic. We're super excited for him. And, uh, and, and so, like, imagine the United States Army, right? I think many times what we do is we imagine the church being like the pastor is Rambo. Like, he's going to go behind enemy lines. He's going to, like, do all the things. He's going to bring people into heaven. He's going to, like, disciple people. He's going to make sure that you all feel like this is a place that you can be. Like, he's going to do all the things. We joked about it uh, early on that, like, I would be up front or I'd be at the door. I'd be, like, greeting people, right? And so I'd, like, greet people. And then I'd quick, like, run to the front. I'd do announcements. And so I'd, like, do announcements. And I'd be, like, playing guitar. And I'd be, like, playing guitar. And then I'd get up and I'd, like, preach. And then I'd go baptize somebody. And then I'd make sure that, like, on your way out the door, I was, like, hey, thanks so much for coming, right? And, like, that's Rambo, man. Like, I'm not Rambo. But imagine the United States Army versus Rambo. What does the United States Army have? Man, he doesn't have a chance. Why? Because everybody's working together in unity. There are people who are working in their gifts. There are people who are actually uh, working through the gifting that that God has given them to be able to contribute to the whole. And Rambo has no hope against the army. The problem is, can I tell you this, that God said, Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Can I tell you part of the reason why the church is not taking ground in America is because there's one guy out there like Rambo trying to do it all. But can I tell you, it's only when the people of God gather together and when we're an army moving together for God that we actually begin to see something happen. Man, I love that right now in our community, there are people talking about discipleship. There are people talking about, man, what would it look like for us to be able to disciple somebody, build a relationship with somebody? Uh, I love that um, I've heard this phrase before, and I thought it was so cool, that uh, we wanted the church to be a hub for hope in the community. That's a cool phrase, right? It's like the church be the hub for hope. Um, We were praying as a staff uh, just a couple of weeks ago, and Abby prayed this phrase that I thought was so good. She said, God, would you help our tables to be a hub for hope in our community? And I love that picture, that your table at your home that so often sits, and I can't tell you the number of times that our table sat empty as Christians and we did not invite people to our table. What would it look like if we invited people literally physically to your table at home to just have a meal, to just love them? Like there's so many people right now who are feeling disconnected and every one of us has a desire to belong. Every one of us has a desire to be a part of something. I I was talking to somebody this week and I was reminded um, of what it was like to be in middle school and high school. And uh, middle school and high school, it's a tough place, man. Like, it's, it's rough. And, and so I was talking to them, and, and, uh, and I was reminded of what it was like to have, like, the different factions of people. You know, you have, like, the cool kids, and then you have, like, the not cool kids, and then you have, like, the other kids. And, like, you know, I was like, I don't even know where I fit. And, and I was like, man, I'm so glad to be out of that. But how many of us know that you go into adulthood and you experience the exact same thing? Like, but people long for a place to belong where they can be transparent. We don't got to have your walls up. We don't got to be able to try to put on a face when you come to church and pretend to be something you're not. Where you can literally belong 
to people who say, listen, if you have a hard week this week, you can come in. We're going to love on you. We're going to pray for you because that was a hard week for you. You have something to celebrate. We want to celebrate with you because we want to be a place where people are being discipled and are discipling one another. I'm excited that next week we're going to talk a little bit more about what that looks like. Um, but we want to be that kind of place where we're not just Rambo, but we're an army and, and we need you to be a part of that. Yeah. And, uh, and, and the last part is this, where you're sent out, uh, you're sent out into the world. Uh, and this, this picture for me of being sent out, I think is so important because I think sometimes what happens is, is, uh, we actually don't ever get sent out that, that, I went and transitioned from a job a couple of years ago. I thought I'd be super sweet and I would write letters to a bunch of different people to say like, hey, thank you for the impact that you had in my life. And so I had this box of letters to about 30 people that I wrote. The only thing is before I sent them out, I moved. And so they sat in my closet for about two years. I can still see the picture right now of where they were in my closet. Now, how much good did those letters do of encouragement to those people sitting in my closet? Right? Didn't do much good. Why? Because they're not good until they're sent out. Yeah. Can I tell you right now that you're God's letter of encouragement to somebody? Wow. That you are God's message of love to somebody? Yeah. The only problem is so often in the church, what we have is this massive mailbox of people that we just have like stacked in there wow. that they're just yeah. waiting to get sent out. And God is like, man, I want to be able to tell your coworkers that they're loved. I want somebody in your life who's a family member or a friend who doesn't have somebody who's going to invest in them because maybe they're a little weird or maybe they act weird or maybe they're different. And so everybody else is going to reject them. But that's the person that I want you to go and invite them to your table. I want you to be sent out to love people the way that Jesus loved people. Yeah. And what would it look like if that was the kind of people that we were? If that was the kind of community that we were a part of, that people, when they thought about the church, they think, man, the church, I know, I know Katie. Like, man, she, she loves people. That, when I think about the church, I think about her. When I think about the church, I think about Mark. When I think about the church, like, and they start to think about the church as being the people who are sent out, who yeah. love them in a way that no one else loves them. In a society that, can I tell you, every one of y'all right now, you come in, man, you come in beat up from, from a lot of different areas of life. But your boss, man, your boss is beating you up sometimes. There, there are people in your life that they're beating you up on social media. And man, I imagine what would it look like for there to be a place where they can just simply be who they are. And that's who they can be around you. That you're sent out to be able to love the people around you. I know that for us as a church, man, no matter the season that we're in, what we've decided is that we will never need you. I know that's a weird thought. But I actually sent this into my denomination as like a part of, this is a horrible like church planting strategy <laughs> and they're probably going to talk to me about it. But I sent it in and I was like, we're going to plant a church where we don't need people. Here's why. Because I don't want to need anyone. I want to love someone. Yeah. Man, I, I don't want us to ever show up as a church and say, man, we need you to serve somewhere or we need you to be a part of this or we need you to try to help in kids ministry. I want to be a part of a church where people show up and you're like, man, I'm looking at our kids and, and I'm realizing I want our kids to know about Jesus. I want our kids to be able to have a community where they can come together. And, and I know the playground is a tough place for them. I want them to come in and, the, and just be able to be loved by somebody that if nobody else in their life loves them this week, that maybe they have a rough home life, that they can come in, they can be loved. Man, can you, can you start a kid's ministry? Because I would love for that to happen. I want somebody to come up and say, man, I got to tell you that the youth today are struggling with things I can't even imagine. How many of us grew up not with a, not with a cell phone? Anybody grow up not with a cell phone, like a smartphone or anything? Yeah. Okay. So most of us, 
Um, we were talking about floppy disks last night, and I was like, <laughs> like I remember like floppy disks, you know, like that was my growing up. It was like in the computer, and it was like 512 megabytes. Like anybody remember that? It was like hold like one word processing document, and, and uh, that was the world that I grew up in. That's the world that you grew up in. Man, our youth are growing up in an entirely different world. They're growing up in a world with social media. They're growing up in a world of pressure. They're growing up in a world that you and I can't even begin to imagine. I want people to show up and be like, like Pastor, we got to start something for them. Like we got to do something because they got to know about Jesus. They got to know that they can be loved. They got to know that there's a different path that they can take. That's not the path that everybody's trying to pressure them to be on. That's the kind of place that I want to be a part of where people say, I want to be sent out. I want to disciple people and where we don't need to try to fill a position because there are people saying, man, I'm there. I'll start it. I'll do it because God has placed on my heart to be a part of building up the kingdom of God. And I want to be sent out. I want to be building up what God is doing here at the church. I want to be that kind of church. So as we look at uh, this idea of being sent out, uh, we see the arrows pointing out. And here's Jesus' final words, right? So if, if there's ever like, you know, the final words, I always imagine like the, the loved one that is kind of like taking their last moments, right? Their final words are the words they want you to remember. Um, there are words that I will never forget. Holly's grandfather passed away a few years ago, and, and he whispered some final words to me, and I will never forget those words. And it's almost like Jesus, in his final moments here on earth, gave us final words that we just kind of take as like, oh, like it's kind of casual. But, but here's the words that he spoke to us. So he, he calls the 11, uh, and they, they went to the mountain, saw him worship. This is the one that we started out with. And here in verse 18, I want us all to read together just to let it sink down into us a little bit more so verse 18 says this jesus came near and said to them all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the father the son and the holy spirit teaching them to observe everything i've commanded you and remember, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Man, imagine living a life of purpose and meaning that is more than going to work, punching in a time clock, coming back home, and reliving Groundhog Day over and over again. Like, man, we watched that movie just a little while ago where it's, you're just reliving the same day over and over again. Can I tell you that I've never experienced joy like sitting across the table from somebody or having a conversation on a walk with somebody and hearing God work in their life and seeing God reconcile their marriage and watching them be able to break free from addiction and being able to walk with them through this incredible journey that God has more for you than going to work, punching in a time clock so that you can earn money to be able to come back home so that you can go back and punch in a time clock again. But God actually has so much that imagine what it would be like for you to be able to sit across from somebody and tell them that they're loved, to sit across from somebody and watch them and their marriage begin to come back together again so that their kids get to grow up with a home that's loving and incredible. Imagine sitting across from somebody and watching them walk in freedom from addiction like that's what it means to be sent out as the body of Christ. That's what it means to live in that kind of life. And can I tell you, man, there's so much more when we actually live as the church. I wonder what it would look like for our community, for your friends, for your family members and your coworkers, that when they think about the church, they see that picture. 
that they see the picture of people who are gathered together, who are loving each other, who are united, who are lifting up God, whose God presence is showing up, who they're discipling one another and they're sent out into community. I wonder what it would look like if people uh, left behind the image in an incredibly Lutheran Catholic culture of being bored in church and not knowing what they were talking about and not knowing what this had to do with life and leaving and living the same life week after week after week and wondering, is there more to life? And instead, they began to see this kind of church. Man, I'm committed to that. No matter what season we are in as Movement Church, we are committed to these five things. That, man, if there's ever a moment that we show up and God's presence isn't there, man, we, we want to stop the whole thing and say, hey, we need to recalibrate. If there's a moment that we show up and we just go through the motions and we're not discipling one another, we want to say, hey, listen, we need to come back and we need to start to look at what God's doing. And so no matter the season of Movement Church, that's what we're about. And that's why we love being able to have you in our house and why we've been doing what we've been doing, because we love seeing God work in your heart and in your life. And we want to see you do that same thing with the people around you.